And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, what's going on, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Piscali. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out on this Friday as we get you ready for the Bills to take on the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, not sure who the Beals are, but um, maybe Bradley for my NBA folk out there. But be it as it may, the Bills taking on the Steelers on Sunday, a uh, home game. All this time, throughout all these weeks, we have been talking about the Bills just whether or not they can get in, whether or not they can chase down somebody enough to get in from the 11 seed and now to the number two seed and really controlling their own path, at least for the first couple of weeks here. Um, to take on the Steelers this week, which was the weakest uh, of all the playoff teams in the AFC. And then if they are successful getting to uh, host the divisional round game, potentially against the Chiefs, if not the Chiefs, then the winner of the Texans or Browns. So uh, one of those three teams could be coming to Western New York next weekend, but that, that's only if the Bills handle their business uh, against the Steelers in what could be a um, a pretty memorable weather game, as we have grown accustomed to those over the years. I mean, you think about the weather games, and you think about 2017, the Colts, the snow game, where you couldn't see the other side of the stadium, at least me, from, from the press box. Uh, it was just like this, it was like the wall from... Game of Thrones, where it was just like, okay, you're not seeing past a certain point on the field. I remember trying to watch the film um, from that game and just going, yep, it's not even worth it. Not even worth the time because you just, you couldn't decipher anyone out there. And so that uh, that's one that, that stands in the brain of everybody. And then also the wind game uh, against the Patriots a couple of years ago, where Mac Jones only attempted three passes. You know, Josh Allen and the Bills attempted 30 of them. I think they completed 15. But that was a game in which the Bills lost. Both very low scoring. And now the Bills take on the Steelers in what could be an equally as low scoring contest if the weather is as impactful as it is. And, you know, there's thought that there could be a bunch of snow. There's thought that there could be really high winds and that impacts what uh, what teams are able to do. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of weather talk <laughs> as the days come up here and I'm sure that's going to be a lot of your questions too. So if you have any questions, by all means, I already see a bunch in there um, right here in the live room episode of the Buffalo Beat. You can ask them right in our athletic app. All you need to do, you probably, if you're listening live right now, you're probably seeing a bunch of uh, questions already racking up in there. Just type in your question Write the comment, and then I'll get to as many as I can before Sean McDermott uh, talks at uh, at eleven fifteen um, today before their 
final practice of the week. All right, so uh, Stephen writes in, any chance this game is postponed to Monday or moved if the weather forecast gets worse? As of right now, I have not heard of any plans to potentially move the game, either whether it be on the day it's played or the location. Now, as we all know, as we all remember with the Bills-Browns game last year, it can be a fluid situation where maybe the NFL gets a gets a good idea and about what it's going to be like and then look to move the game. But as of right now, nothing uh, nothing along those lines have been I guess dispersed amongst the media. So, you know, it could just be one of those one of those days where it's uh going to be a bunch of snow, going to be a bunch of wind and you know, maybe maybe the first team to 20 if they get there might be the victor in this game. So, um but that's very much a it could be a fluid situation if the weather forecasts worsen, but I'm sure this is something that the NFL because this is not just a a normal regular season game. And even if it were just a normal regular season game, as we have seen with that with them moving the Bills Browns game last year to Detroit, that is one where they're not taking the situation lightly. So uh, I'm sure if they are to move this game either by day or uh, by by location, that's something we'll start to be hearing about maybe later today or tomorrow. But uh, to be determined there, um, as of right now, my anticipation is, is it's going to happen on Sunday at 1 p.m. Uh, in Orchard Park. So we shall see. Joshua writes in, whose rushing attack is built better to play in this weather? The answer to that is probably the Steelers. And that's because the way that their offensive line is built, it is a lot of power, push uh, push the pile back. It's not as much uh, focusing on the athleticism of their offensive linemen. It's really just, uh, you know, push the pile down the field. And their top running back for this game, Najee Harris, has a little bit more of a a better inside in between the tackles presence than say a James Cook or a uh, or even at this point of his career Leonard Fournette or Ty Johnson or Latavius Murray if he plays so it probably benefits the Steelers more than the Bills but I will say this the Bills have not been afraid to pass the ball in any sort of weather conditions we have seen it time and time again with Josh Allen they trust him to throw the ball the wind game, he threw the ball 30 times. Now, of course, they lost that game 14 to 10, but they're still throwing the ball a, a ton more than you would have expected. And I do wonder if maybe it has a bit of a, a reverse effect on the Steelers to where maybe they could have, because mostly Mason Rudolph, based on what I saw in a bad weather game last week against Baltimore, he was keeping everything short for the most part. And that big pass he hit to Deontay Johnson, that was on a short to intermediate route. 
Um, that's that's normally where he's looking. And when he has to push the ball down the field, I, I even remember this from watching him in college. You know that that uh, that deep ball tends to loop a little bit, and you know the the accuracy of it isn't isn't ideal. So I would anticipate that this might even make them even a little bit more one dimensional. So uh, you know the the initial belief is that oh this benefits the Steelers, and it does to a certain point, but it also might pigeonhole them into that one thing to the point where the Bills can just bring down nine guys into the box and go all out to stop this rushing attack even more so than they did against uh, even more so than they would have in a, in a normal weather game where maybe their passing attack would have been a little bit more prevalent. So, you know, pros and cons here. Uh, I do think the bills will look to get their run game established, but like I said, I don't think they're going to fear passing the ball. Is it going to be the deep field shot? Probably not very frequently, but I still think that they're going to try and move the ball through the air more than the Steelers are. That's just how they are, and um, I think there could be some opportunity there if the Steelers are, are you know getting close to the line of scrimmage and playing the run a bit more. I think that's that's some opportunity there. And, you know, it's it's a big chance for the Bills offensive line who have played with more power um, this year from what I've seen in, in past years. You know, they're not pushing the pile in weeks, but like they're being a lot more physical than they have been in, in the past from from what I've seen. So this is an opportunity for them to kind of prove themselves and like they're they're thought to be a pretty athletically based finesse sort of offensive line, but I think there's some real opportunity here for guys like Osiris Torrance, Deion Dawkins, Spencer Brown. Those are the three guys that I'm looking at more than anything who can have some success in, in these type of elements. So um, so we shall see. Uh, Sean wrote, will they let Josh throw in this game? I think I just answered that. I, I think they will let Josh throw in any elements until it, they, it proves that it cannot be a conducive situation moving forward. Um, Yard writes in, what does Gabe Davis provide that Khalil, Sh- <laughs> I don't think you meant this, but Khalil Shakira can't, I, I know autocorrect is a hell of a thing. Um, what he provides is just that down in down out presence on, on the field. Khalil Shakir is not an ex receiver. He's not that go down the field and, um, you know, deep ball, potentially specialist where it takes the safety along with them and opens some things up underneath. He just doesn't have that sort of speed. He doesn't have the size to win contested catches. And, you know, the argument is there that that Gabe Davis has not been the best at winning contested catches lately, and I would absolutely agree with that. But just that overall size and physicality, I know this elicits eye rolls, but the blocking is a real big component to Gabe Davis's game, and that's something that they're going to miss without him in the lineup. And I think there was, uh, I think it was pretty evident that when Gabe Davis went out, it was Trent Sherfield in the lineup at X receiver, not Khalil Shakir. So Shakir's still going to play a big role. Don't get me wrong, but in those two receiver sets, 
it might wind up being Diggs and Sherfield as opposed to Diggs and Shakir. Not to say that it wouldn't be at any point, but more often than not, they're going to look at Trent Sherfield. And, and I remember seeing this at times during um, the offseason workouts, during uh, OTAs and minicamp, when Gabe Davis was not going in a couple of those, that was a big chance for Sherfield to, to step in in that X receiver role. Shakir is more of the Z receiver slash slot role, and Z is what Diggs plays. Diggs will eventually, uh, you know, occasionally go inside to the slot where Shakir can move out into that Z role. So um, that's that's the biggest difference between the two. Uh, Shakir is still going to be a factor. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it they're they're just they play the same position, but they don't play the same position within the position within the Bills' offense. If if you get my drift. Okay, Michael writes in, how do the Bills slow down the Steelers' rushing attack without completely selling out by stacking the box every single snap? I think uh, a key will be to attack their center, um, Cole, 61, who I think can be pushed back into the backfield. Uh, And that, you know, I I said it last week with how important I thought Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver was. to stopping the Dolphins' rushing attack. And as it turns out, the Dolphins really tried to avoid both of those guys in their rushing attempts by trying to go out wide and trying to um, use the Bills' inexperience at linebacker against themselves. And that's when the Dolphins were their most successful running the ball. I mean, when once they got outside uh, the edge contain, you know, they couldn't do it against a guy like Greg Rousseau, who was awesome at it um, when they actually tried against him. But against Von Miller, against A.J. Epinesa, against Leonard Floyd, that's when they were at their most successful in in getting outside. But I don't think that that's a feature of the Steelers' rushing attack, not with Najee Harris. Jalen Warren is a little bit um, quicker, so I could see them trying to mimic what the Dolphins were doing a little bit. But even still, that's a... That's a completely different zip code of speed that the Dolphins have from what the Steelers have. So a lot of this is going to depend on the defensive tackles. Um, Being able to not only get up the field and disrupt what's in the backfield in the pocket, because like I said, the Steelers offensive line, they do play with power and um, they're going to have to be extremely physical at the point of attack on on the line of scrimmage for them to have an effective day. but Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver, those two guys are going to be critical to this game. I think Shaq Lawson is going to play a major factor in a game like this one because he's not a great pass rusher, but what he is is a good run defender. And being able to, you know, stack up and keep everything contained within the tackles is really important. I think Greg Rousseau is going to have a huge snap count slash um uh, slash uh, role in this game as an edge contained guy because you know he's he's their best at it. I, I could see them definitely reducing the snaps of a guy like AJ Epinesa, um, Von Miller as well, just because those two guys have kind of struggled it, in those areas this season and making Rousseau and Lawson so critical. Uh, I would not even be surprised to see Rousseau and Lawson as the starters. You know, a couple games ago, Lawson started the game. Uh, I think it was against the Patriots. That's because they were expecting a run-heavy approach. And 
I could definitely see them doing the same things and maybe having Leonard Floyd come out there on on pass rushing downs, things like that. So so yeah, that that's the that's the goal up front. You know, employ your most physical guys. I've I've been going back and forth with my inactives too about um whether or not they would have Linval Joseph active over, say, Puna Ford. Um my my initial instinct is that they'll probably just go with what has gotten them there the past few games with Ford and Settle. I mean, after all, Ford and Settle had nine snaps apiece this past game as Jones and Oliver completely dominated it. But the flip side to that is they don't have size like Linval Joseph in either of those guys. So if something were to happen to Daquan Jones, that could be a matchup flipper right then and there. So I'm still kind of tossing it up in the air about about what the I think I'm leaning towards Linval being up, but you know when I write it later today I'll I'll get I'll get to that point and then you know it's keeping the linebackers clean. We'll see if Tyrell Dodson is going to be able to play. He did not practice on Thursday, so that's not a great sign for him. Um, it might just and you know them bringing back AJ Klein onto the practice squad also not a great sign for Tyrell Dodson in this one. You know I could even see. Klein being a practice squad elevation this week. Um, so it's really on Bernard and Specter and Taron Johnson to, uh, to, if they are kept clean by the defensive line in front of them to be able to filter in. And Taron Johnson is going to be pivotal for this. Um, Jordan Poyer, I would expect them to bring him down a lot because, you know, if it is as, as bad of a weather game as maybe we might think it will be, then the, uh, I guess the overwhelming sense is that you can probably get away with a single high safety and Micah Hyde and, and have Poyer kind of be that roving eighth, um, defender to help on the run, which is where I think he could really flourish in a game like this one. So, like I said, if this is, if this comes into a, a situation where it, it is, as bad of a weather as it could be, then that might pigeonhole the the Steelers to be pretty one dimensional to where the Bills can can get away with a lot more than they would have in normal weather. So it could be a good and a bad thing for them. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, Lee writes in, does playoff Lenny make an appearance in a big way on Sunday? So here's the thing um, about their practice squad elevations. And this is, again, some of the, the inactives. You know, they... Once you get to the postseason, it resets, and so you can bring guys up. Um, that you can bring guys up uh, as much as you want during the postseason, even if they've hit their max uh, in three. The only thing is, you still only get the maximum of two per game. So they kind of have to make a choice here because if Gabe Davis can't play, then that puts them down to four receivers. And if Tyrell Dodson can't play, that puts them down to four linebackers. So do they manufacture a roster spot somewhere to get Fournette on the 53 man and hope to uh and and go about their way by by elevating both Klein and a guy like maybe in uh, Andy Isabella who they brought up in that spot before for special team stuff. That's an option. So it's one of those roster gymnastic things that we'll have to see the end result of. If I had to guess, my I would suspect that they cut Latavius Murray and bring up Leonard Fournette and then sign Latavius Murray back to the practice squad if, uh, if it gets to that point. And if so, then that would allow them to have Fournette up and to um, have Latavius Murray on the back burner just in case. Now, the trouble with that is the pass protection issue that I saw from the running backs this past week. Like Fournette was not good at it. He whiffed on one block. He made the wrong read on another. James Cook, it's been a work in progress for him all year long. Ty Johnson is uh, has been banged up and is dealing with with a concussion. So it's one of those things that you're going to have to make a choice here as to what you want. And that could result in, you know, more third down snaps for James Cook than than we had seen previously. So I'll probably I'll probably guess that um uh, that they do bring up Leonard Fournette in one way, shape, or another, because I think having his between-the-tackle ability that they just don't get from Ty Johnson or James Cook um, is will be very important to them. Not to say James Cook can't do it by any means, because he has shown better flashes of it. Uh, I think more than anything, though, um, they will want that physicality in a matchup like this one. So uh, that's something that James Cook does lack. And uh, so my guess is Fournette will be up 
in some way, whether it be as a part of the 53-man roster or as, a, as an elevation, and then uh, then they go and uh, kind of split the snaps a bit more evenly than we have seen in the past just because Fournette is a little bit better served for a game like this one. Okay, next question comes from... Uh, let's see. There's a lot more weather questions. Uh, John asked about the weather advantage for the Steelers. I talked about that a bit. Uh, Andrew asked about Shaq Lawson getting more snaps on Sunday since he contains the edge well. Y'all are great. I asked about that too. Um, uh, Ernesto writes in, do you think the Bills will fall under the Steelers game and that would make a close game contrary to what everyone's thinking? I think the way the route to that is if it really is a, a bad weather game and that could cause for fewer possessions. Um, it causes potentially, it, you know, more time of possession for the opponent and fewer time of possessions means fewer opportunities to score for the bills as they would get it in most matchups. And I think that's going to be the Steelers way because they know that they know that the bills have the more talented team, but they're hoping that the weather can potentially be an equalizer um, among all things. But like I said before, it can be an equalizer to a certain degree. But if the Bills are knowing what to expect, without any doubt that the, the Steelers are just going to try to run the ball on them, then they can they can stack their defense in that way. They can go heavy and go with three linebackers if they want to. As opposed to, you know, being in, in nickel all the time. I'm sure they don't want to take Taron Johnson off the field too much, but if the Steelers go really heavy in this game, then that could force someone like Dorian Williams or A.J. Klein onto the field. Um, but that's that would be their method to kind of keep this thing closer. The spread of this game, how it shot up to 10 points was interesting. Um, I could definitely see this game going one of, one of two ways, you know, even in bad weather, I could see the Steelers keeping it tight and having it really come down to it at the end of the game. But I can also see the bills looking at this as an opportunity to make the Steelers one dimensional uh, by outside circumstances and profit off of that in the way that they defend them slash, you know, and since they are not afraid to throw, uh, I think the, um, I think the, I think that would help benefit the bills in trying to move the ball down the field a bit more. So, um, and be, and keep the Steelers a little bit more, on their toes as to what the Bills are trying to do, as opposed to what the Bills are defending from the Steelers, if that makes sense. So I I think this could be close, but I also think there's a shot that the Bills could run away with the game in the sense of a cold weather, in a weathery game, like maybe a 10 to 12 point victory or something like that. I could I could definitely see something along those lines. In normal settings, I think the Bills would probably win this game by a couple of touchdowns or more. Um, but that's where I think the weather might come into play a little bit. 
All right, we've got time for a couple of more before the Shaq Lawson meditation prediction hour. So uh, next up writes for is oh, Ron wants to know about practice squad elevations. Answer that. Um, Nathan writes, what are your thoughts on Spencer Brown so far this year? I was down on him last year, but 2023, haven't heard much about him. This has been Spencer's since Spencer Brown's best year bar none. Like the way he has been playing, the confidence he has been playing with. There are times when he is an absolute strength for the Bills. And I think back to early on in his, in his career, like his first three or four games of his rookie season, he was outstanding. And then he started to go through some struggles. And then he had the injury, uh, which which deterred his season. And then last year, you know, the thing that they always talk about is the fact that he had off-season back surgery. And so he basically was just running in place by the time he got to training camp. They didn't even know he would be able to practice by the time training camp started. He jumps right back into it, is the opening day starter. And and that's how they they went about their business with him. But he did struggle last year. And they, and they knew it to the point where... It was a legitimate question as to whether or not they should try and replace him and what they're trying to do. But they were staunchly in favor of and really defending him throughout the offseason about what he went through. And it got to the point where it's like, okay, if you if you really listen, like sometimes there's stuff said in the offseason where you're like, okay, that's something that they have to say. But when you look deeper into answers and the tone behind them, the ferocity behind it, it was very clear that they were going to stand by by Spencer Brown um, throughout the offseason and give him another chance. Because I think Brandon Bean, there's a little bit of the the Wyatt Teller thing uh, jumbling around his brain as to you do not want to give up in an offensive lineman too early. You, you just don't want to. And with Spencer Brown, they saw the potential early on in his career. So this year, has he been their best offensive lineman? No, he has not. But he is playing at, a, at an above average level and above average in the confines of the NFL is extremely valuable for offensive tackles. He's got good athleticism. Um, can he get beat overthinking uh, a pass blocking snap? Yes, that that happens from time to time. But as a run blocker, he has come miles from where he was and to the point where they are now trusting him to run the T lead from the right side to the left side a lot more. And so now it's a they do do it both with Dawkins and with Spencer Brown. That's something that has developed over the past month or so. So Brown has definitely taken a step forward in his third season, and it's to the point where if he has a good beginning to next year, I could absolutely see them signing him to a contract extension sometime in in September or October. And this time last year, there was no way I would have said that that could be the case. But um, I think they they see some some potential even for more growth from him. And uh, and he could be one of those guys that they have around for for quite some time if if he continues on, on this stretch of play. All right. Next up. Jimmy writes, Von Miller has to sit this game for Linval Joseph, right, Joe? I'm not convinced. I think 
There could be a chance where they go with five defensive tackles, but the idea of sitting Von Miller in the postseason, I don't know that they'll want to do something like that. I think if Linval Joseph was to be up, and I could be completely wrong about this, and I definitely see the logic behind what what you're talking about, Jimmy. It would be for another defensive tackle. That's just how they have approached it throughout the season. And I know the weather could make it a bit of a different story. But I do wonder if maybe they take from a different position as opposed to defensive end uh, to to have all five of their defensive tackles up. Just don't know that it would be Von Miller. I think... Kingsley Jonathan is probably going to be down in this game based on what we saw last week. Last week, I think, is as close to what you're likely to see from healthy scratch to, um, decisions when injuries aren't a factor. But yeah, I, I think the Linval Joseph piece to the puzzle would make a lot of sense to have him active. I'm just, I'm trying to find a spot for him um, when I go through my healthy scratch. Uh, exercise. All right. I lied. I've got time for one more. Um, Steven asked about Josh throwing in the game. He said he went back and watched it and said he threw it pretty well. I agree. And that's the reason why they would not be afraid of doing so. Um, let's see. <laughs> Some infighting on the comment box, I see. Um, let's see. Sorry. Mark writes, how big will Josh be in the running game this week? And this is an excellent question because when you think of the normal ground game, you think of James Cook and Leonard Fournette and everything like that. But under Joe Brady, we have seen the Bills a lot more prone to trying to push the ball down the field with, with Josh. And whether it's on scrambles or design runs, some some uh, scrambles that look like design runs, but you can they can go one way or the uh, the other based uh, on the uh, stat sheet when when they do the play log. But I think that's that could be a, a very large piece of the puzzle. Now they don't want to completely sell him out to the point where he is putting himself at risk for injury all the time. But he is kind of a, a matchup flipper here where since the Bills are likely to be less afraid of throwing the ball than the Steelers would based on the quarterback that they have, dropping him back to pass, it could lead to some slips in the snow or the slick conditions by defenders in the open field. Um, you know, I always think about whether or not this is an advantage for the offensive player running straight at a defensive player who's having to, you know, backpedal or, you know, change direction in elements like this. That could be a, a major advantage, especially when things break down. So if he can get outside of containment and, and move the ball down the field with his legs, that could open things open up some of the passing game for them too. Um, maybe not in the deep field, but intermediate wise, 
You know, there there's a lot of different things they could do with Josh Allen if uh, if he's able to get the ball in his hands and be an element to this. Because, you know, if they're power running, Josh Allen might be their best power runner, if, if we're honest, uh, outside of Leonard Fournette. So, so yeah, I'm I'm with you 100%. I think, I think Josh Allen's running prowess, although they don't want to depend on it too often, in this situation, playoffs, if you don't utilize it, and that's the path, best path forward, you could wind up not playing next weekend and then your Super Bowl hopes dash. So I think they would be willing to take that calculated risk to get through the week and then see what happens when they take on the Chiefs next week. All right, let's uh, get to the Shaq Lawson meditation prediction hour. Uh, let's see where the line has gone uh, since I last checked it this morning. The Bills are still favorites, obviously, but they are now nine and a half point favorites. I believe it started at seven or seven and a half and it jumped up to 10. It's now nine and a half. The total on the game is 35. I'm going to take the Bills to win this game. Uh, I'm going to take them to cover because I like the uh, I like the fact that it got to under 10 because I think 10 could be the, the magic number here. Uh, I And I'm going to take the under on this game. So I could definitely see a situation where this is a, a 20 to 10, 21 to 10. 18 to 9 sort of game or no not eight, 19 to 9 sort of game uh just just weird scores potentially uh because I do think that the Steelers will try to lessen the possessions which I think can impact the overall total on the game but I do think the Bills are good enough on offense and good enough on defense despite potentially not having Tyrell Dodson and oh by the way I forgot to mention that this is probably the best game if this weather hits as as much as it does for them to be without both Rasul Douglas, uh, Gabe Davis, and to a lesser extent, Taylor Rapp, because that takes away some of the potential where they would have to go in their dime look or the potential for the Steelers to throw the ball as much. So this could wind up, if they move on, this could wind up being a blessing in disguise where these guys can rest. They don't need them to a massive degree and them moving on into the next round if they take care of the business. So I'm going to take the Bills to win. I'll have them to cover the nine and a half, and then I'm going to take the under on the game because, you know, I do not trust anything in a in a snow game in terms of posting more than 35 points. Um, I trust the Bills offense to score than I do the Steelers offense. And could it end up being a, like a 14 to three game in favor of the Bills? Yeah, I think it could. Uh, and that would lend itself to covering and hitting the under. All right, so that's going to do it for me. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this live room episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscaglia, and we will talk to you after the game on Sunday when the Bills take on the Steelers, for now, Sunday, and we'll see exactly uh, what the weather provides and what the matchup provides and if the Bills will continue their season past this week. All right, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you after the game. See you then.